Well, we are Daniel and Vicki Hagedorn from Preparing Kids for Life at PK4L.com, and our podcast is for all things parenting. This is day three of our 365-day journey with you. My wife and I are passionate about helping parents reclaim their rightful place as the number one expert on their own kids. We talk about the principles that every parent can learn and apply to help their children discover the best version of themselves. We answer the fears that almost every parent has. Fears like, I don't have what it takes to be a good parent, or I'm not qualified, or I'm going to mess up my kids. For the next 365 days, we are inviting you into our experiment. We are going to walk alongside your journey as your outfitters, guides, and allies every day, every step of the way. This is where it starts, and we uh, just want to kind of step in today talking about one of the cornerstones of real change, right? Not not kind of putting band-aids on things or a quick five-step plan or a or a PDF to fill out every week, but but something that's that's core to to what has to change for you to experience real results, not band-aids, and that's belief systems. Um, everything starts with what we believe. And the hard thing is that things can seem very, very real to us and yet not be true. And so where that comes from is it comes from our belief systems. If you want to look at it another way, our belief systems are like the operating system of a computer. It runs all the software all the hardware, everything that happens on your computer goes through the operating system. Well, our belief systems work the same way inside of our lives. And so our belief systems determine how we see God, how we see ourselves, how we see other people, how we believe that life works. All of that is driven by our belief systems. So if I think you probably can already tell that if our belief systems are distorted in any way, if they're skewed in any way, if if they aren't in alignment with what's true, then you know, it's going to have any number of challenging effects on our life. In fact, in some cases it can be pretty painful. So I wanted to pose this question to you, Vicki. Um, I always forget because she's been on all my podcasts with me, but this is my amazing wife, Vicki. I didn't formally introduce her. Sorry, my bad, honey. Um, <laughs> That's okay. But I think that she has a great insight given, uh, like we've shared before, she has 16 years of experience in, in, as a grief recovery specialist. She's taken hundreds and hundreds of people through this program. She's seen amazing transformation in people's lives, uh, especially with parents, you know, because parents are, are affecting not only their own relationship with their parents, but also then the relationship they have with their kids. So it's, it's kind of a, uh, on both ends, it's, it's an amazing experience. But I just wondered if, honey, you could speak to this idea of belief systems and how you have seen um, the impact of belief systems and just the work you've done with grief recovery. Sure. Yes, I would love to. So I think what's interesting about this, so we, belief systems like you were just explaining so well, 
They are how we view life and view the whole world. And we absorb and adopt our belief systems two ways. They, we get them through our parents or our caregivers, people who raised us through childhood. And we absorb and adopt our belief systems through our life experiences. So there are things that we learn um, by experiencing. Uh, you, you learn way more by experiencing than by people telling you telling you things, right? Um, right. So one of the things that I've noticed in doing grief recovery and working with people that are um, grieving, uh, and everybody is grieving because we live in a fallen world, right. and it, it is something that we have never been taught how to do in a correct way or a healthy way. So um, we end up taking, it's kind of like the way you look through something with glasses on. Right. If you see, if you put rose-colored glasses on, it changes the tint of everything you see. So your experiences in your growing up and in your life, they will tint how you see life. Um, sometimes you'll end up with a with a a lens that you know good things happen for other people, but not for me, because you've mm. had experiences that way. I know people who have had horrific experiences happen to them, terrible abuse. Um, terrible, traumatic experiences. And you can't help but be forever changed by that. Sure. And how you view things, how you might have fear um, and abandonment and all, all kinds of different things happen as a result of trauma that happens in our lives. So it's a really important thing to see that our strongest belief systems, which can show up in your life as anxiety as depression, um, as as a lot of even physical um, grief, ailments. Right? I mean, can it just show up as grief? Well, and grief, but I mean, like the way that it will physically manifest right. in your life okay. is is in these different things, and um, and so it's important to get to the root of that. And uh, it's really interesting to see that most people's belief systems that are negative, obviously, enter into their lives at great at times of trauma and times of abuse and times of loss. Um, you know, I wanted to kind of speak to that a little bit because when you were saying that, it reminded me that one of one of the things that I think makes all of this so difficult for people is that oftentimes uh, they, they actually will go to great lengths to be right about... Uh, for example, what they believe. If they have a particular belief system about how things work, then they will arrange their life. They will make choices. They will make decisions in order to be right about what they believe. Right? Very true. And and so obviously you can see, for, for example, if you believe that... Um, members of the opposite sex are are going to hurt you, then what you'll do is you will be kind of standoffish. Mm -hmm. You will be someone who uh, at the first hint of any trouble immediately backs off, takes that as confirmation. This isn't going to work out. Mm -hmm. uh, self-fulfilling prophecy. Self, yeah, self-fulfilling mm -hmm. prophecy. So you, because there's an agreement in place, mm -hmm. there's a belief system, and you're going to be right, and and I think the hard the hard thing to really look at is sometimes you have to make a decision 
do I want to be right or do I want to be happy? That's very true. And But to take it even to a deeper level, a lot of these belief systems are done on a way that's so subconscious. Right, there, yeah, you yeah. Know, there's a lot of things that people... People aren't totally... Yeah. Consciously, yeah. That's not the desire that they want sure. in their life. But they're unable to stop creating it because they are completely tied to these belief systems. Right. So it's a very challenging thing. Um, to change. It's like like behavior modification. You right. Know? One of the things that we say every class, every class that I do in grief recovery, and I always share this at the information meeting because it's very, uh, I think it's a really great way to describe it. When you think of your life as a, as a fruit bearing tree. Yeah. When you think of that and you, and you realize that there's fruit that your tree bears and, and that you have. And in other words, if you have habits um, things that you continue to do that you don't want to do anymore, maybe anger outbursts or addictions or different things. And that's the fruit in your life that you try to change. Right. And so we, we prune a tree. We do right. that by, by doing things that are behavior modification therapies and different things that are all not bad things. They're all good things. But what happens when you prune a tree is you get the same fruit back. Bigger. Sometimes more. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's what you do. You prune, and then after you've pruned, then the harvest becomes even bigger the next time around. Mm -hmm. So so you can feel very, it can be very depressing to do something over and over again and not really ever making like two steps forward, one step back kind of a feeling. And so the process of going back and really healing and getting complete with the losses and and things that cause trauma and loss in our life, it's like yanking that tree up by the roots. Yeah. And you are yanking that up because the only way you can change fruit is to plant new seed. Right. And plant a new tree. Right. And that's very possible. And it is um, a painful process. It's not easy to go back, but it is definitely very, very doable. And the results are incredible. The results yeah. are amazing. That's that's a really good point because I think a lot of times it's the hopelessness mm. of feeling like something will never change. You yes. know, I, I've said this a lot. Probably the biggest struggle that I ever have in my life is when I feel like something is futile. Yes. Right? If something's hard, if something's difficult, if something's challenging, well, that's okay. I, I mean, I can I can come up against that and and battle that, right? I mean, that, that's, you know, I, I think all of us have that in us where if there's something we see that's going to help us, we're, we're, we're willing to do that. But the hard thing is when you feel like it's futile. Yeah. No matter what you do, it won't make any difference. No matter what you try, it won't matter. No matter how long you work at it, no matter how hard you try, it just won't make a difference. And when you reach a point where you believe that, I, I, I mean, there's just nowhere to go with that. Mm. And, I, and I've been at that point and it's like, I almost want to come out of my own skin. It's so painful. It's so difficult to be in that space. But to your point, when you know, you know, there, there's actually a way through this, just like in a, in a very physical way, if you were growing oranges, but you wanted apples instead well, you're going to have to cut down the orange tree. Then you're going to have to tap the root. 
You're going to have to grind it out the stump. You're going to have to follow every root into the soil and get it all completely out. Then you're going to have to retill the soil, mix some fertilizer in, and then plant apple seeds. And then you have to cultivate those apple seeds and water them and nurture them and weed around them. And then finally, after some time has passed, because this is the process, then you get to enjoy fresh, crisp apples that you pluck from the tree. But but that's a process, right? And And so the neat thing is, that's an actual process that's possible. It's yeah. not a, oh, wow, it's really futile and there's no hope and this will never change. Now, it's a very simple process to understand, but as you've probably grown accustomed to us saying, it is not easy, right? It is not mm-hmm. easy. Um, if you've ever had to do that, I actually had to, to do that a couple of times at, at my house growing up where we cut down a tree and it's a pain in the neck. Mm. It's hard. It took a lot of hours. I mean, it was like a three-week job for me to get out there and dig around all the roots, dig out. It was. It, it's tough. But you know, once it's out, it's out, and it's it's kind of a it's an amazing process from there. But I, I just well, and I think what's so great is it's very worth it. Yes, it's very worth it because it's when you are single. Your life choices and the the maybe ruts that you can get into uh, affect you. When you get married, they affect someone else. And when you have yes. kids, they affect these kids. Yes. And so there's a lot riding on being able to get complete so that you can be fully present for the people that you love. Right. Um, we talk about in grief recovery a very big thing that you must grasp as an adult as a, uh, we call it an emotional maturing process, it is. But we talk about this idea that you must be willing to accept 1% responsibility for how mm. you are responding today to the things that have happened in your life. Yeah. So if you grew up in an abusive home or where there was a lot of yelling and there was maybe physical violence and now as an adult man you are yelling and violent you can't just say well that was my upbringing right like you've got to take responsibility we're not saying we never say take responsibility for anything that happened to you but what we are saying that as an adult you must take that one percent responsibility for how you're responding we talked in the last one are you easily provoked Mm. are you easily angered Right. And how how can you stop that? You know, there's a passage, a very famous passage in the Bible um, in Romans where Paul is talking about the things that I do not do, these things I keep on right. doing. Right. And I remember for years feeling like, why do I constantly live in Romans 7? When am I going to graduate to Romans 8? Where you feel like you're a conqueror. and And literally, I feel like, that's what this process has been able to help me do. Um, obviously, I, you're always going to have areas that you're going to grow in. But man, the clarity mm. that comes when you're able to be present. And when you get triggered by something, to have the ability to recognize it. Yeah. You know, there's another very um, incredible scripture that talks about taking your thoughts captive and making them obedient to Christ. Making them obedient to the truth. 
And when we are... um, Like an alignment, really. Yes, in an alignment, exactly. And when you are easily triggered, you might think, I don't have the ability to take my thoughts captive because you just react. Right. It's like, like blinking. But after a while, when you do, when you get to get some of these things complete, you actually have the ability to go, I have a choice in this moment. Right. To respond this way that I've always responded or to respond differently to respond in a way that brings unity and uh connection as opposed to separation yeah and it's not it's yeah like you said it's simple but it's not easy but it is possible it's like that matrix moment you know when when they're shooting at him and i don't know if you haven't seen the matrix mm. then this this reference will make no sense at all but there's a scene in the movie where Keanu reeves's character is kind of he can almost slow time down and he's just dodging the bullets and these bullets are getting fired him in rapid succession and it's just slowing down and he's easing one way and then the other way around these bullets and I think that's kind of what what that allows you to do is it instead of it being almost a reflex mm. it's now you have some space to consider what you're about to say or what you're about to do which is huge. Mm-hmm. And I think the the per, what you were saying earlier about taking responsibility, man, I, first of all, you cannot change anything that you first do not own. Yep. If you don't own it, you can't change it. You can't. Very true. And so uh, it just doesn't make any sense, right? It doesn't make any, just like it doesn't make any sense that if, you, if you're renting a house, you wouldn't pay to remodel it because you're renting. Mm-hmm. You only do something like that if you own it, right? So the first thing is you you have to be willing to own this. And, and you know, and that can be very tough. Mm-hmm. That's very challenging. I mean, mm-hmm. none of us humility. like to, yeah, it takes humility. And none of us like to own stuff. None of us do. Um, gosh, I mean, <clears throat> we go to great lengths as human beings to avoid owning stuff. Or if we do own stuff, we own stuff in the best possible light, <laughs> you yeah. know? Uh, with our with our spin, but man, personal responsibility is something that is is a virtually foreign concept today, and it's it's really causing a great deal of damage, especially in our young men and young women who are growing up with very little empathy for one another, uh, very little real compassion for one another. Uh, there's there's just such a an individual individual self-focus to everything and a false connection uh, yeah and a false connection through that social media and through, everything. yeah definitely through through that through social media but i think it's that that lack of personal responsibility that is such a killer and by the way i just wanted to interject something you know some of you may have incredibly painful difficult pasts and if if that's descriptive of of kind of your background, your experience, I just want to be very clear. We're not, we're not condoning that uh, in any way, shape, or form. We're not saying that you need to hold yourself responsible for how someone else spoke to you or treated you. That's not, and let me be very, very, very clear and emphatic about that. We are not saying that. We are not saying that you that we're trying to somehow condone that. The only thing that we are speaking to is the importance of taking responsibility 
for your response to that. That's it. And, and, and I just, because, you know, uh, this is a very, you know, it can be in a very emotionally painful, difficult thing uh, for people that are wrestling with this. And I just want to be very, cl- very, very clear about that. Um, and I think it's good to say, too, that taking responsibility is is done in many different ways. Yeah. I think that taking responsibility for something is <clears throat> is being um, humble, is asking for help, is seeking help. Getting how can I, you know, get better? How can I change this? Uh, that's taking responsibility. Taking responsibility is being willing um, to humble out and be teachable and say, I could, you know, I need to grow here. Mm-hmm. How do I do this? How yeah. do I not be um, so easily provoked? Right. How do I do that? I think something that's really interesting too when you think about this. So, Think about this as your own life, but then if you are a parent, think about this as for your kids' lives as well. But from the ages of zero to four, zero to four years old, 50% of what you believe to be true about life and people, God, and the way life works is formed in your mind and in your spirit from the ages of zero to four. That's intense when you think about that. By the age of eight, 30% more has been planted and solidified. Eight. So by eight years old, 80% of what you believe to be true about life, people, and God is formed. So by the time you're 18, 15% more is cemented in So that means that by the time you are 18, 95% of what you believe to be true about these things is set into place. I don't know about you, but I think back to when I was 18, first of all, I thought I knew so much more than I did. (laughs) But but the things that I had learned about how life works and about God and about people, there wasn't um, a lot to stand on for me. You know, and I think that what we also want to think about as parents is that we are forming these things. Our role, the way that God designed our role is to be um, to teach our kids about him and about his heart. And his heart is one that is safe. Yeah. That is not filled with judgment, comparison, minimizing. That is that heart. And how do we have that in our homes? How do we give that to our kids? Uh, It's so easy to minimize our own feelings. And a lot of times that's how we survive. It's a survival mode. It's a technique that we learn is to minimize our own feelings. The problem with that is that it, it A, doesn't work. And B, it's how we tend to treat other people. Mm. So we tend to minimize kids so easily. There's that lack of empathy comes in. Yes. And you could kind of go, okay, I know... Sally hurt your feelings, but I'm sure she didn't mean it. You know, just in these different ways. Which you might as well say, get over it. Yeah, exactly. You might as well be saying. Get over it. And some of us do. Some some parents do, you know. So it's really important to realize that what you're doing in your home is creating the way that your child is going to view life and navigate through life for the rest of their life. From this perspective, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I think too, you know, obviously on one hand, uh, there's a lot to parenting. On the other hand, you know, something we say a lot 
really parenting is very simple when you broke break it down. We'll never you'll never hear us say that it's easy, but you will hear us say that it's simple. In, in other words, however you want your child to turn out, live that out in front of them. If you want your child to be honest, then be honest around them. Model it. Yeah. Whatever you want in your child, <clears throat> model it. Because trust me, they're paying a lot more close attention to how you're living than they are to what you're saying. Yep. So if you, it, whatever result you want, you know, I'll never forget this. This is so embarrassing. But I was, I was talking to Vicky one time about something that was going on with Landry. I'm like, you know what? Landry is just... Like I am, ah, mm. ah, oh, oh. you know, like those moments as a parent where you just, oh, that's the two by four going upside the head. It's like, oh, oh, she's just, oh my gosh, that's, I'm like, I'm giving that to her, you know, that's where she's getting it from. And so, you know, I think that's the, on one hand, it's very reassuring that we don't have to be some sort of parenting guru on the mountaintop dropping Jedi pearls of wisdom on our young Padawan, right? On the other hand, it is really challenging to live something out in front of somebody who is literally around you all the time. You know, a lot of us, we can be a, a nice guy or a nice gal at church, or we can be a nice gal or a nice guy at work, but it's kind of hard to be that way all the time, unless you actually are a nice guy or gal, right? So the thing is for kids is that they need to see this lived out. They need to see our faith lived out. If our faith has no power in it, if it has no vibrancy or life in it, why in the world are we going to think they would be attracted to God? Right. And for that matter, why do we think anybody else that we ever talk to would be attracted uh, to God? Because, you know, Part of this is a relationship that you are part of in and enjoying. You know, it's it's an amazing story. It's an amazing life. The good news is you don't have to live the life you were living before. You can live a life completely transformed <clears throat> and changed into the story that God gave you all along to live. But our kids just see this in us. And I think that you know, as we go through this process, we have to realize that we are raising a child. We are not correcting a problem. Mm. You know, we're, we're not correcting a problem. We're raising a child. And I think as long as we keep that in, in mind, then the best thing we can do along the way is own your stuff. Sounds simple, not easy, but you know what? Just own your stuff. When you make a mistake, own it. You know, this this just happened probably, I think about this last year, probably with, with Landry. And I was stressed out about something and I had a lot going on all in that moment. And uh, she kept uh, pressing and asking questions, asking, you know, and, and kind of saying something that was sort of repetitive and annoying. But I finally just turned to her and I snapped and I said, do you want to shut up? And I could just see her spirit just, wilt inside it just shriveled right in front of my eyes and I'm like oh my gosh I just did that I just did that and you know I wish I could tell you that I owned it and apologized for it in the moment I wish I could tell you that but I can't because I'd be lying but I did I did fight to get my heart in a good spot 
And then shortly thereafter, I did. And I said, Landry, I'm so sorry that I spoke to you that way. That was that was dishonoring and disrespectful. And, and that's not how I want you to think that I feel about you. And I'm, I'm sorry for speaking to you that way. And she was very forgiving and gave me a big hug. And, and we it was awesome. But the thing is, is that I just realized, you know what? All I have to do is continue to make a decision to own it, mm. to own it. And amazing dividends happen from that. Something I learned, you know, in, in school when I was uh, a first year teacher and I, I was giving my students, this is our first test. This is the first test we've done. And so they, everybody finished up and I started looking for the answer key because while everyone's sitting quietly at their desk, I'm going to get ahead and start grading the tests. Well, I looked everywhere. And then I looked everywhere again. And then I looked everywhere a third time and I still didn't find this answer key. And I thought, finally, oh my gosh, my students stole the test. This is unbelievable. And so for the next five minutes, I just absolutely lit into them, lit into them. And and then I, I paused for a moment because I needed to kind of uh, soothe my throat a little bit. So I reached under my podium where I kept my, my, my mug of tea and I went to grab it and I noticed that sitting there underneath the tea mug was, yes, you guessed it, the answer key. And I just had this minute where I, I looked up at my students very sheepishly, and then I profusely spent the next five minutes apologizing my butt off for how I spoke to them. And you know what? They were incredibly gracious, incredibly forgiving. They were, they were amazing. And, you know, I think, I mean, I was just blown away by how forgiving they were. They were incredible. And kids are very forgiving. Just a quick tip, parents, your kids don't expect you to be perfect. They don't expect you to know the right thing all the time, to say the right thing all the time, or do the right thing all the time. But the one unforgivable sin, if you want to call it that, of parenting is hypocrisy for your kids. Mm -hmm. That, man, if you just make the decision to own it, and again, that goes back to what we said earlier about your belief system. You, you have to have your belief system aligned with what's true. And I think you were making a really good point about that earlier, just sort of in saying that. Mm. I think it's really important too to think about this is that there is a high percentage, it's in the high 80s of kids that grow up in homes that are church-going, Christ-believing homes that walk away from their faith by their mm. second year of college. Yeah. And I think that, and, and I've read different things that kids have said, the number one reason is because they do not see the power of God in their parents' life. Yeah. They don't see the power there. And it isn't just about going to church or, you know, doing those things. It's about having a transformative relationship with God that that is obvious. And and what I mean by that is that where you are stepping out in faith, where you are going after the things that God has put on your life, where you're stepping out not in fear and you are encouraging your kids to do the same whatever that looks like. You're living a life that's exciting in that in that way. And um, what an incredible thing, what an incredible way to live. Yeah. And for kids to see. 
And I think that it's also really interesting to to kind to kind of point out that this is what tends to happen is that you grow up, you have these belief systems. Uh, they're also spiritual strongholds. They're mm, called spiritual yeah. strongholds. They're they're things. They're lies that are are that you get to be so connected to. Like we talked about, it's a neuro pathway. Yeah, that is put in your brain, and it's like a train on a track. Yep. And even when you are growing and you're changing, what'll end up happening is you start to try to do something different, and your brain literally will go. Wait, 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 that's not how we do it. We go over here. We're on this track. Pull you back. The brain, It's not knowing whether it's right or wrong. It's just this is how we do it. Right. And so it's a process of unlearning and relearning and rewiring your brains literally when you do that kind of work. And it's also interesting to see that even becoming a Christian, when we learn how God is and we, we learn about the promises of God, we put that... Uh, belief or that uh, doctrine, I'll say, on top of our old belief systems, which are our foundational responses. It's how we have responded to life. Uh, when we put these new beliefs on top of that, which is what we tend to do, when a conflict occurs, we will um, always react and respond from that original right. belief system. That's a great point. So, just theology alone is not enough. Right. It's it's like you always say, knowledge is not power. Knowledge applied is power. Like just knowing uh, the Bible or even reading it, of course, that's what what's important. You got to start there. Yeah, that's but, valuable, but that's not all of it. <clears throat> no. And our experience will trump theology every time. Yep. So when something happens, you're 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 quick to think, okay, God, who's good all the time, where are you right now? You know, like I knew this would happen. This is what always happens. And your your brain starts to fill in all of those things. And that becomes the the norm. And how do we live in that gap? This gap in between what we hear is true from other people and from the Bible, but what our life looks like. And until that gap is addressed, we will always revert to our original belief when we are facing a crisis or a challenge. Yeah. And even though... Thankfully, we don't face major losses every day. We we will face discouragement, disappointment, sure. all of those things every day. And when we don't know how to navigate through those, we tend to go to things to numb out or to yeah. not feel because we don't know how to navigate that gap. Yeah. And it's an important thing because everything is riding on it. Everything and living a life to the full is, is writing on really, really dealing with that and connecting so that you can live a life um, fully present so that you're able to have boundaries and clarity and um, and discernment. Yeah. When you're a wife, a husband, a parent, all of those things. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really good point because a lot of what goes into it is there is a... Um, a belief about about God. Uh, it all it all really goes goes back to to God. What what do you believe about God? Because see, the thing is, is if you believe that well, God's basically a nice guy, but he's got a mean streak, and every now and then he just gets ticked off at me, and he just you know whacks me upside the head. 
Or if he's that, a puppet master. Or he's a puppet master. Yeah. You know, if you have a distorted view of God, then you can't really trust God enough for him to guide you into the life that you could actually have. And so really, there's a, it's a constant, you know, God's not bored running the universe, and so he's trying to mess with our lives. He's trying to help us through testing our hearts to see what do you really trust in? Mm-hmm. Because the worst, saddest, most tragic thing in the world is to think and believe that you trust in God when you really don't. You know, it's reminding me of early on when I was first becoming a Christian and somebody had challenged me to journal and to write out the passage, love is patient, write out first Corinthians and that whole thing, but put God instead of love, right? God is patient. God Mm. is kind and go through the whole thing and write it out and then write out if what I really feel about that. Do Mm. I believe that? Wow, that's great. It was so powerful. So much more. It was. It ended up being a couple pages that I wrote. I, I, I want to start. I want to do that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. That's awesome. It was, I love it that. It was really powerful. And it really helped me to see, wow, I don't believe that God is patient. I don't. Um, and, you know, newsflash, I struggle with patience. So, of course, I don't. I'm not able to view, you know, like that's something that was not uh, a lot in my house growing up, was patience. But it was a very interesting um, little uh, challenge that I did, and it really, really, really helped to see, wow, uh, God is patient. Sheesh, it's the first one. (laughs) God is kind. Uh, God is self... I mean, the whole thing, all of it, it's it's really a, a cool little exercise to do. And I think what's really cool about that is that it will reveal some of what you truly feel and then it gives you a place to start, like a place to pray and and to look at. Yeah. Cuz you know the cool thing is that this is not about guilting or shaming yourself or oh, I'm such a loser. I don't yeah. No, God God is he can handle it all. He just he just wants you to really truly see what you think about him, yeah. what you believe about him, because what you believe about him changes your experience. You know, we have this thing that that in in church in America, I call it churchianity. You know, and in churchianities, there's three doctrines. The first doctrine is sin management. Sin management. The second doctrine is behavior modification, and the last doctrine is just try harderism. Mm. And, and people mistake that for Christianity. Mm-hmm. And then people on the outside looking in look at that and go, yeah, I don't really think that's something I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people actually reject a false God. Yeah. They're not, they're not actually meeting the true God and then choosing to go in another direction. They're meeting a false God and saying, yeah, that's not for me. Yeah. And, and so I think, you know, those of us in among the body of believers need to take a very long, hard look at that because this all centers around the belief system. And the belief system needs to be anchored on God. It needs to be anchored in his truth. And it needs to be fully aligned with his intentions for us. 
And his intentions are that we would step into and become the sons and daughters that he <clears throat> destined for us to become. Now, we've just sort of touched a little bit on belief systems. There's a lot more we can say about it. And luckily for us, we have uh, 360 two yeah <laughs> there's my math skills 362 more of these podcasts so we've got a lot of a lot of directions we want to explore but just in these opening podcasts I felt like it was very important to set up the foundation the, the core things that really everything else that we're going to delve into and talk about works from uh, otherwise you know you, you have this kind of where something's all over the map, and and we want we want this to be someplace a resource for you that uh, that kind of builds a little bit each day. So, I just want to say uh, in conclusion, thank you uh, so much for listening. I, I truly mean that. I know there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there that you could be listening to, and you have chosen to give us your time. We're very grateful that I encourage you to check out our website pk4l.com for more resources. Please click on the link in the show description and download your free ebook, Building an Emotionally Safe Home, as our gift to you. And remember, we are with you every day, every step of the way. Until tomorrow, have a great day. Bye.